copyrighted program created by the Rio Grande Oil Company. Our family police calling all cars, attention all cars, broadcast 163. For the 40th place in Figueroa, invested a bank robbery. That's all. We have told you many times in these broadcasts that Rio Grande Crack Gasoline is by long odds the favorite motor fuel of the law enforcement and public protective agencies of our local government. But have you ever stopped to think what this really means? Well, here are the figures for 1936. 3,724,318 gallons of Rio Grande cracked gasoline were used in police cars, fire engines, ambulances, and other emergency equipment. At 15 miles to the gallon, this tremendous quantity would drive your car more than 55 million miles around the world 2,327 times. If you started now and drove 50 miles an hour, 24 hours a day for 127 and a half years, in other words, until the 4th of July in the year 2064, you would still have 19,000 miles to go. Don't you feel the judgment of the men who show such an overwhelming preference for Rio Grande gasoline is to be respected? Isolated cases might be challenged, but there must be an advantage for you in following the lead of so many. Oakland, Berkeley, Fresno, Santa Barbara, Los Angeles, San Diego, Phoenix, Tucson, Orange County, San Diego County, Maricopa County, and others. If this, you will observe in stage two of the three largest cities in California and the largest county in Arizona, the law enforcement officers of which protect the lives and property of one-third of the people in Arizona. Each of the governmental agencies in this impressive list has specified Rio Grande Crack gasoline exclusively month after month. Why don't you see that this year? Hundreds of thousands of other motorists have found it very much to their advantage. Start in tomorrow. See your Rio Grande independent dealer. Once again, we present Chief James E. Davis of the Los Angeles Police Department. Chief Davis. Good evening, friends. Tonight, I am not going to follow my usual custom of talking about the crime to follow on calling all cars. Instead, I should like to say a few words about a situation that has become a crisis here in Los Angeles. The problem of traffic fatality. As 1937 ushered itself in to the accompaniment of joyful celebration, it left an old year behind it that has rolled up the staggering traffic death figure of 1,040 persons. In 12 short months, 1,040 people, just like you and me, lost their lives on the highway, three-quarters of them because of the carelessness on someone's part. A new year has started, and already the dead have started piling up. That is why I say it is a crisis, a crisis that cannot be allowed to go on unchecked. So tonight, take it over, and then drive accordingly. If you, as citizens, will help by driving carefully and thoughtfully, perhaps when 1937 rolls into 1938, you will have been instrumental in letting some person alive today live another year. 
Who knows? That person might be you. Los Angeles, April 15, 1929. 2.30 o'clock. Behind the iron grill marks Keller in the Citizens National Bank of Poirier's place in Figueroa, a young man glances at the wall clock, then back to the figure of a woman approaching his window. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I wonder if you'd do me a favor and read this telegram for me. Telegram? Well, yes, that's a chance to. Thanks. Oh, but this isn't a telegram. Maybe you can read it first. Yeah. 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 Oh, but there isn't $5,000 in here. Nothing, little man. You know what's good for you? Somebody to build a cross under this bag and make it fast and quiet. All right. If I will. Here you are. This is all I've got. Oh. Well, listen. You ought to not know about being covered by three bins. If you make a cross on about this for 20 minutes after I walk out of here, it'll be the last thing you ever say. Understand? Yes, sir. Oh, okay. Don't forget it. Okay. Uncertain, I suggest what to do. The young color stands in the for five long minutes. The woman's warning words ringing in his ears. Don't tell anyone for 20 minutes or else. Then, by a supreme effort, he takes off the fear that binds him and hurries to the chief teller's office where he tells his story. And when he has finished, a stony silence is his only answer. Then, do you expect me to believe that? Expect you to believe it? Of course, it's what happened. A woman walked in and asked you for all the money, and you just handed it over and then stood there for five minutes before telling anybody. Well, she told me I'd be killed if I moved to 20 minutes. I didn't want that to happen. Oh, no, of course not. And you didn't want anybody to find out about it until your confederate had plenty of time to get away, did you? What are you talking just about? that. Thought you could get away with this little scheme. You thought everybody would believe your story about a holdup. Well, it won't work. But it's what happened. I don't believe one word of it. And I don't think the manager will do that. However, we'll just go up to his office and see. Come along, Mr. Brown. And strangely enough, the manager of the bank refuses to believe the story either. With the results, the young fellow, after an hour of futile explaining, is discharged. The police, however, after questioning him, failed to find any good reason to arrest him, and the incident gradually blows over. Five months go by, during which the now bitter teller buys a small ranch, settles down to a rural life as a country farmer. Then, on the morning of September 4, 1929, into the office of Los Angeles burglary detail walks a middle-aged, well-dressed man. Obviously embarrassed, he inquires for the person in charge. It's directed to Lieutenant Teddy Chipwood. Yes. Good morning. Mm-hmm. Are, uh, mm-hmm. are you the uh, gentleman in charge here? Mm, at the moment, yes. What can I do for you? <laughs> well, uh, there's a matter come up. Well, that is to say, a matter that I uh, don't think really means anything. Mm-hmm. I see. You see, it's the thing that, uh, that is a matter of fact, I'd, I'd never bother you about it if it was my wife. She that I reported. Well, uh, go right ahead. What's it all about? I'm not taking up your time? Oh, no, no, not at all. Go right ahead. Well, you see, we, uh, that is my wife and I, have a young lady living at our house. She's a very nice young lady. Very nice. And uh, I wouldn't want anything to sound as though I were suspicious of her option, but 
That's why I say, look here. If it'll help any, whatever you want to tell me will be kept in the strictest confidence. Will that make it easier? Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, it will. Very well, sir. You see, this young lady is separated from her husband, and, and she and her baby are sort of living at our house because we felt sorry for her. My wife is a very sympathetic person. You know how that is. Oh, yes, yes, of course. Well, the thing that caused all this was this, this girl's husband. He, he's something of a loafer, works with, a, with an extra at the studios occasionally, but never makes any money. So he's been coming over to see her every once in a while, and, and last night he had a lot of money to do. Uh, I mean, really, a large amount. Well, actually, my wife thought it kind of strange, and as a matter of fact, so did I. But it is in our business, and, well, I was all for letting it go. But you uh, changed your mind? Yes. Well, that is my wife changed it for me. She feels that uh, you should know about it, and she said that if I wouldn't come down, she would. So I came down. Did this man say where he got all this money? Oh, no. Naturally, he didn't ask him. But I noticed that it was mostly all in $20 bills. That seems rather odd, in it? More 20s, then. Yes, Well, if you leave your name and address and phone number with me, I'll look into it and let you know. Now, what's this girl's husband's name? Um, Martin. Uh, Jim was his first name, I think. Mm-hmm. Jim. Uh, yeah, Martin. And you say he works as an extra occasionally. Oh, yes, yes. Do some thanks of yours. All right. I'll look into it and let you know. And thanks a lot for coming in. Oh, that, that's quite all right. I, um, well, good day. Lieutenant Dickwood, although not expecting to find anything, browses through several recent police bulletins. Finds two on men wanted for bank robbery. Glances casually through the data on them. Suddenly, he notices one line that bears a significant statement. Go ahead. Yeah? Come here a minute, William. What's on your mind? Hey, listen to this. The bills stolen in this robbery consisted mostly of $20 bills. So? I've got a brainstorm. You saw that fellow I was talking to a while back, middle-aged fellow? Yes. Yeah. And he came in to tell me that a young man whose ex-wife lives at his house flashed a roll of 20s last night. A young man that never has a dime to his name. We figure he might know something about this bank job. I figure we might do well to have a talk with him. Okay, when do we start? Well, I think now would be as good a time as any. We'll take this bulletin with us and see how the description checks. Come on. At the address given to him by his earlier visitor, Dipwood and Long find him and his wife at home. From them, the two detectives get a good description of Martin. Also with his friends who work at the studio. Also a phone number where Martin lives. A check on the number reveals the address to be that of a residence on Hollywood Boulevard. Accordingly, Pitwood and Long drive there in hopes of finding the suddenly rich young man at home. That must be the place to fix that auto rental up. The Prince's Martin doesn't live alone in the barn there. Probably has a room. Let's pull in the lot and let the place over. Yeah, okay. Here comes the gent that runs the place. Maybe he knows Martin by sight. Maybe I'll ask him. Uh, we're looking for a fellow that lives around here someplace. I thought maybe you might know him. Uh, he used to live in that big house over there. Well, I might know him at that. Four or five young fellows live there. Most of them work at the studios, I think. What is his name? Uh, uh, Jones. Joe Jones. Joe Jones? Joe Jones? Uh, yeah. Well, I don't think that I know anyone by that name. Mm, sort of dark here, good-looking young fellow. Well, it's a couple of them have dark hair. Good-looking enough, too, for that matter, but, uh, 
take off your coat and hand it to me. What's the big idea anyway? All right, all right. Thank you. Take a thorough look through him, Ed, while I lift this coat over it. Right. Put your hands over your head, Smith. Don't miss anything, Ed. I have a hunch our friend might have a few things of interest on him. Ah, uh, this doesn't make any sense. I don't know what you're looking for, but you won't find anything on me. Oh, no? What's this, then? Uh, I, I don't know. You don't know? Oh, that's funny. Can you imagine a fellow carrying a roll of $20 bills around with him and not knowing it, Ed? Got a nice new stamp on the package, too. Bank of America, huh? Where did that come from? You mean right now or when you stole it from the bank? What do you mean stole it? I don't know, Mr. Bill Smith. For your information, we've got the finger right on you for that bank job. Now, what I want to know is, you want to take the rap alone, or do you want to tell us who your pals are? I didn't have anything to do with any bank job. Oh, yes, that means you want the whole rap yourself. Huh? You can't prove anything on me. Oh, that's what you say. I know different. Come on, Ed. Let's take this lad to his future home. Maybe a few hours there will loosen his tongue. But Martin, although practically as good as convicted on the strength of the evidence found on him, refuses to talk anymore. Later, still denying everything, he's placed in jail. From his wallet, the name Bert Hall is taken on a card with a phone number written below it. Acting on a hunch that this might be another of the gang, sit with him long, check the address, then drive out to a place in the lower Hollywood Hills. And when they arrive there, sudden doubt will fail them. Listen, Eddie, something's wrong here. This is a respectable, high-class neighborhood. Look at the houses. Yeah, this place is much too elegant for a cook to hang out. Oh, look over there. A little girl coming out of the house. Oh, yeah. Now, come on, we got the wrong place. Let's go back and check the address again. Okay, it's a sense that this is the wrong place. But back at the station, another check proves the address to be the same as the phone number. And Fitzwood and Long decide that high-class neighborhood or no high-class neighborhood, they're going to investigate. So once again, they drive to the house. And this time, they walk to the door, ring the bell. Uh, I'm going to ask for Bert to, if anything happens, be ready to push in with me. Yes? Yeah. Oh, hello. Uh, Bert here? No. Well, we're friends of the agent. Oh, working at the studio? Uh, yes. You say your friend is here? Oh, that's right, aren't we? Yes, sure enough. Do you think you'll be back soon? No, not too late. Probably be 12 or 12 30. Oh, that late, eh? I'm afraid so. You still get any of the money left in the bank pickup? Well, uh, so what are you trying to tell us? Oh, uh, you don't. Get your foot out of the door. Oh, no, I don't know. We're coming in. Oh, don't get them out. I'll All right, lady. All right, now just take it easy. Might as well, because we're all going to sit right here and wait for Bert to come home. Okay. You're a cop, aren't you? That's right. Why are you barking up the wrong thing? You know what you're under arrest for. Sure. No, of course not. Oh, that's two counts against you. First that clip you made when I asked you about the money, and now this. Oh, come on. Why don't you relax and tell us all about it? I don't have the faintest idea what you're talking about. As far as I'm concerned, you can sit here till the cows come home. Why are you not interested in cows? All we want right now is your friend, Bert. The cows will have to wait. <laughs> Convinced that they're in the right place, Sitwood and Long settle down to await the missing first arrival. Several hours go by and no sign of him. At a quarter to twelve, Long decides to go outside and keep his eye out in case the man might arrive and get wise. Sitwood and the woman sit inside, staring at one another. Suddenly, she grabs her jaw, a look of agony on her face. Oh. Mm, what's the matter? Oh, my God. God bless him. Everyone's so wise. God bless him. Oh. Oh. Anything I can do to make it feel better? No. Oh, if I could go in my room and lie on the bed, I, I could put a cold compress on. 
Oh, I'd lie down here in this couch. No, I'm lying on my own bed. More comfortable. You can come in there with me. I can't see the throne was right here on the couch. I want to lie on my own bed. Mm-hmm. Okay, then, all right. Oh, thanks. It's right in here. Wait, wait a minute. Yeah. I don't like the idea. You want to be in there too badly? I think I'll call my partner and see what they're up to. Oh, it's nothing. I'm going to get my toothpaste done. Oh, it's... Better not make any fast moves when I open this door. Oh, Ed, give me a minute, fast. Not this year. Come on in. Keep a close eye on this woman while I look into that bedroom. Nothing tells me all is not as it should be. Okay, go ahead. I'll watch it. Anything starts, you take care of her and I'll do the rest, right? There's no one in here. Let's see what's so interesting about this bed. Oh, so when this is the answer, eh? These nasty looking guns. They're loaded, too. Well, two more. That's the idea of the arsenal, ladies. Well, don't you like talking, eh? Well, I can tell you in prison. If I'd call for that super dead and walk in here with you, eh? Then all you have to do is reach under the covers and grab one of these guns and blast me to pieces. That's right. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You still don't feel like talking. Well, I don't blame you. Well, let's see if there's anything else under here. Well, well, now, isn't this a nice little nest here? What have you found out? A roll of putties big enough to take a horse. Well, it's just about 50 to 70. Yeah. Okay, so. All we've got to do now is just sit tight and wait for good. And won't he be surprised when he gets here? But as morning comes, there's still no sign of birth. And the two detectives decide to take the woman to headquarters alone. All the way in, they take turns trying to get her to talk. And all the way in, she refuses to admit any knowledge of anything. At last, as they pull up in front of the Hall of Justice, Chip Wood plays a trump card. Yes, here we are. Oh, that's whatever. Last chance to talk. I haven't anything to talk about. Oh, that's sure, funny. Martin had plenty to say. Martin? Why, sure, we've had him here since yet. Silently, Gipswood edges up behind him. 
reaches around his arms and snaps a pair of handcuffs on his wrist. Hey, hey what is this? Some sort of a job? Well, not that you've noticed, sir. Are you surprised? Well, well, naturally. What's it all about? Well, you don't look very surprised. In fact, you look as though you've been sort of expecting something like that. Well, I haven't. I don't know what you're trying to pull, but it's no good. All right, Bill, let's stop calling around. We've got your wife. Huh? We've got your friend Martin, and they both talk and talk plenty. Now, what do you say about that? What would you say? Well, if I were you, I don't know. I'll say this, though. You're certainly pretty much of a heel. What do you mean, heel? Letting your wife hold up those banks all by herself? I ought to be ashamed of yourself. Listen, Blackfoot. I didn't let her do those jobs alone. I was right there with a gun all the time. I don't believe it. Yeah, well, I can prove it. I was there on every job, and I was right in the bank when she pulled her out. Now, what do you think of that? And I think you've just fixed yourself up for good, sake. What do you mean? I thought if I hurt your ego a little, you'd talk. I never saw a punk like you that wouldn't start boasting given a chance. But this time, you've boasted your way right smack into Sam Quinn. Come on, let's join the party. A few days later, a somewhat chagrined Keith Keller once again faces his ex-employee. Prepares to make amends. Well, young man, it's, uh, it's good to see you again. Thank you, sir. You, uh, know, of course, why I, uh, sent for you, sir. Yes, sir. I guess so, sir. Naturally, when I saw by the papers that the police had found the, uh, the criminals who robbed the bank, I realized that perhaps we've been a little Thank you, sir. A little hasty, but, uh, I'll give you for you. I want to offer you your old job, Doc. Well, <laughs> thank you, sir, but... You see, I don't want it. You uh, don't want it? No, sir. You see, if I hadn't been fired, I might never have known what a farm was like. But, well, I was fired, and now, well, sir, I don't ever want to leave my farm. I don't want to work the bank again as long as I live. Thousands of motorists who listened to these Calling All Cars broadcasts during 1936, switched to Rio Grande to crash gasoline in the hope that they, too, would be able to see the thrill of police car performance. They were not disappointed, for independent Rio Grande dealers offer to the public exactly the same Rio Grande to gasoline that powers more police cars, fire engines, ambulances, and other emergency equipment wherever it is sold than any other brand. Thousands more will switch to Rio Grande to crash gasoline during 1937. Will you be one of them? Why not? Don't be satisfied with sluggish, slow-burning, sputtering gasoline. Rio Grande Crash Gasoline costs you no more. And Rio Grande Crash Gasoline is broken up, cracked into tiny atoms that burn more readily and more completely. This is why you get quicker starting, faster pickup, greater power. Your independent Rio Grande dealer also offers you the best motor oils you can buy. No wax. No petroleum jelly, no impurities in Sinclair, Pennsylvania, and Sinclair opening motor oil. So free-flowing and heat resisting, you can use the same grade summer and winter. Sinclair eyes for safety. And have you seen the latest copy of Calling All Cars News? Your independent Rio Grande dealer will be glad to give you a copy free. Brighter and easier this year than ever before. Exclusive screen star news. Thrilling detective stories. Many photographs and illustrated features. Get your copy tomorrow.
please calling all cars, attention all cars. The cancellation broadcast 163 regarding a bank holdup. That's the case and now in Texas. That's all. So, Good night for the Rio Grande Oil Company.